Have you ever been knocked down and found it hard to get up? Have you ever been knocked down and bounced back to come back even stronger? Hi, I'm Gaurav Bhagat and you can call me GB and welcome to the Smash Bashed Yet Not Dashed podcast. A fortnightly podcast where I speak about persistence, perseverance and overcoming the odds to come out ahead. Welcome to the Smashed, Bashed, Yet Not Dashed podcast. My guest today is an exceptional entrepreneur, someone who probably didn't have the necessary contacts, connects, or money when starting out in the journey as an entrepreneur. However, several years later, is today considered to be one of India's youngest self-made billionaires. Nikhil Kamath, welcome to the Smashed, Bashed, Yet Not Dashed podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Lovely. Thank you, God. Nikhil, it truly is you know, an honor to have you here. And I know you have a lot of demands on your time and you're speaking on some of the biggest stages and forums and shows in the world right now. And uh, myself and my audience are truly considered a privilege to have you here. That said, okay, now to get things um, you know, started, why don't you share for our listeners, if someone walked up to you in a business forum and didn't really know who you were, how would you introduce yourself for the first time? Well, sure. So... I've always had an interest in finance, started working early, started at about 15, 16, started full-time work at about 17, started trading, then managing money for friends and family, mm-hmm. broking, and then along over the years, we've done everything which is in the fintech space, but not banking. So we're an NBFC, we're a lender, we run a fintech incubator, we have a venture capital arm focused on fintech. But I would say somebody who has been in the fintech industry for a long time now, I would say trading for as much as 17 years of my life. And yeah, it's a great industry. It never ceases to surprise in a way. And it's constantly evolving. So good times. Of course, I agree 100%. And uh, while, Nikhil, you've had some amazing successes uh, in life, I'd like to take you back to a time, a time perhaps uh, when you had one of your very own smashed bashed moments. You were 14, probably 15, and school really wasn't of interest uh, to you, and you had to drop out, right? So can we take a journey back to that time, and perhaps you could tell the listeners um, something like what it was like at that time when this really happened for the 14 or the 15-year-old Nikhil? Well, you know, these stories get exaggerated with time, every person who tells them. In all fairness, it was actually quite simple. I I don't think I was the best student. I wasn't great at academics. I would say, you know, a decent to a moderately good student. And chess happened early in life and it continued up until the age of 17. So that was one good excuse to stop studying. Mm-hmm. But I think the main reason here was I think the drive to become financially independent kind of started earlier than usual. And the motivation very much at that time was financial independence. And I didn't see myself being very competitive in the traditional path that many of my peers or my classmates of the time were choosing for themselves. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And financial independence, I guess, is one of the things that you mentioned. So post this, you, of course, you know, make your way to working the phones at a call center before you discovered what was, you know, your true passion, the world of trading. 
And just curious, you know, what brought you to the markets? Because if I go back to my case, I mean, I was, of course, you know, also attracted to the markets pre-Harshad Mehta days. I was around the same age as you were. And for me, it was, I, would, I wouldn't get to see my dad much. So for us, it was about, you know, taking a walk after dinner to go down to the magazine bala and picking up a copy of, you know, the Lal Street magazine, the Lal Street Journal or, you know, Flash News as they were called. And that was pretty much, you know, how my journey in the market started as a 14 or a 15 year old. Uh, who were some of your early influencers? I, 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 I presume your brother, yes. But, you know, early influencers who got both you and your brother interested or started in the markets as well. Well, I think it was just the circle of people, you know, that we kind of hung out with back then. Also, I don't think it was an external influence, but the fact that mm. online trading in a way got democratized in early 2000s. Right. Uh, up until then, you had these traditional brokers, you had to call them. The entry barrier was quite high. You True. needed to have a certain amount of money. True. Back then, I think Sher Khan, ICICA Direct, these guys came about and you know created an ecosystem where even with a little bit of money, you could go online, buy, sell, and kind of like try or attempt trading. I think yeah. that gave us the impetus when when this change was happening in the ecosystem. Right. But outside of that, I think for me personally, the fact that you don't require so when you when you're a 17 year old boy and you're working in a call center, you have to ask yourself how many things can you do in life to make money which do not require a a large amount of corpus to start a business or be educational qualification, which will make someone hire you for a reasonable wage. Uh, so when you kind of filter out most of the opportunities that do exist, I think equity markets is one of the few places where you don't have to start with very much. You know, you can start with a keen interest and very little capital and given time, patience, and uh, experience, the opportunities to scale that capital are there. Agreed. Agree with you 100%. And yeah, interesting viewpoint on that as well. In your early days as a trader, did you ever end up blowing your trading account? Because I know a lot of people end up doing that. So did that happen for you uh, as well? It did. It did. So I would not call myself the kind of trader, you know, who is just like sat on a computer and always made money. No, right. not at all. There have been many cases, especially in the early years, where I, because by virtue of having a smaller pool of capital, you have to lever so many times, right? To make uh, some kind of cap, some kind of returns on the money you've invested. So leverage kind of made me burn out many times, uh, and especially in the first, I think, two years that I was trading between 17 to 19. But these experiences of burning out kind of teach you the importance of diversifying, having a stop loss, not not using too much leverage because you know it has when it works it looks great but more often than not it does not the biggest problem with the leverage is is when you're trading on borrowed money in a way and if you have 10000 rupees in your account and you're buying equity worth 2 lakh the ability to remain rational and objective go away very quickly because you're so easily swayed by emotion so the first couple of years, yes, burned out a few times, uh, but hopefully learned something from that. Of course, of course, yes. And which is why we're having this conversation today. So valuable share. So tell me in your you know, late teens, early 20s, uh, you know, when you were, I'm sure you were living, you know, breathing the stock market. Did you ever chase away friends or, you know, girlfriends? Because it was always about the stock market and conversations were always around that. Did that ever happen uh, in your case? 
No, it did not. I think I don't think that ever happened. I think yeah. stock markets are open for a few hours a day, right? Like seven or eight hours, and they shut at three thirty. Sure, you work on other things beyond three thirty, but your mind is only fixated upon the stock markets for the duration that they're open. I think it's one of the few professions where, unlike nine out of ten jobs, each day you go into work, something new happens. In you can't predict it so it's not very repetitive at all so okay. it's it's a fairly exhilarating industry to work in i think especially for youngsters today people who are contemplating doing roles in things around stock markets True. there are plenty of interesting opportunities out there yeah i love that advice because one would think that you were always on and you know once the indian markets would close you probably you know following global queues or you know the stx so great i mean good to hear that you know you were actually able to switch off and i think that's something that people really value because i know some people who are just you know so completely immersed in it so obviously we've had this new generation of stock market enthusiasts I'm not even calling them traders right now let's just say stock market enthusiasts you know who've come up youngsters you know in our organizations across the country in fact what is your advice uh, to the new generation of you know stock market enthusiasts and, and the youngsters who are now coming in for the first time well i think it's a good thing firstly gorov i think the the scale and the proportion is minuscule right like we have 130 40 i don't know how many crore people in this country the number of people who have direct or indirect exposure to stock markets today is probably in a true sense only about one one and a half percent of that so even though we might have grown by 20 percent 30 40 percent it is on that base uh, that one and a half percent in india is probably 50 60 percent in some developed economies Very true. the potential to grow is significant but most importantly outside of you know the fact that there is covid and people have time and it's, you know, the flavor of the season to invest in equity markets and all of that. I think we have, as an economy, arrived at this place where if you have X amount of savings, say you earn a lakh a month and you save 40, 50,000 rupees. But if you want to beat inflation and have it in a liquid, reasonably transparent investment, there aren't many options outside of equity markets today. So In a way, you're buying the growth story of India. You know, real estate, I think, personally, is grossly overvalued and has not really returned anything over the last decade or two. And For fixed sure. income is giving nothing. Gold also, over the long term, does not really beat inflation. Right. So equity markets, you would assume, is you know, is the place for people to come in. So I think this number from one and a half percent will go up to five, ten, fifteen percent over the following years. 100% and I'm sure Zirudha uh, will be at uh, you know the the forefront in converting this as you have uh, you know over the course of the last few months so of course admirable so of course we've covered newbies and people who are coming into the market for the first time your advice to even even old timers I mean people like myself who sometimes get carried away with the new, the new dashboards the gamification I mean we're old school guys right mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we come into like where it's almost sometimes like a video game and you know we end up well, just let's say making some uh, you know stupid trades and things, and the only time you realize is either the end of day report or when you open Zimbabwe the next day and you see the bright red box and it says, "Oops, uh, you know that's what happened to me after you know like 15 days of you know grain, etc." So, your advice to you know even old timers, people who've been there, what would your advice be? Uh, you know, in that case, well, you know, in life we often look uh, 
behind to kind of figure out what is right and what is not right and for advice. I think with equity markets, they're always forward looking. So the better person to take advice might not be a 60-year-old veteran, but a 15-year-old kid and watching what he is interested in because that will give you a better forecasting uh, ability into the future. Right. But it is, it, is, it is a profession which rewards discipline exponentially. Yeah. I think for anybody, people who have been around for a long time, new people, anybody, to follow the inherent rules that they set for themselves. And my rules are my rules and your rules are yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But whatever rules they do set for themselves, it could be something as simple as you know not levering and uh, diversifying. If they can follow those rules and not yeah. sway emotionally, I think there are plenty of opportunities to make money out there. Very valuable advice again. Yes. And I think everyone needs to set their own rules. You need to find, uh, you know, how the game plays out for yourself and then set your own boundaries. Awesome. I love that. So Zerodha as a platform is is phenomenal, right? I mean, I only moved to Zerodha in January of 20, of, of 21, actually. And we were always, you know, with HDFC. And one day HDFC guys are calling my dad and myself. And they're like, you know, where are you? We don't see you doing anything. And I said, we moved to Zerodha. And they're like, okay, we'll match the rates. And I'm like, it's not about the rates. It's just about, you know, the experience and how it makes you feel. And Kite as a as a platform is just so great. So what were you guys thinking about when you created, you know, Kite? I mean, what was the core team thinking about? What was the thought process in your head that led to the creation of what we have now? Yeah, so the credit for Kite goes to this guy who is our CTO. His name is Kailash, who's incredibly brilliant. But I think the general general point from where we started is traditional trading platforms had 500 different options. And after having used them for many years, one came to the realization that 495 out of 500 options, nobody has ever clicked ever. So then why have it? Uh, So we started from there. We removed what was not relevant while retaining anything that can be useful in all scenarios. And uh, just making the experience a bit more seamless and uh, simple. And I think decluttering in a way helped us rather than, you know, adding new things which did not exist. I love that. Yep. Simplify and and just, yep, make it accessible and easy. Awesome. So great to hear. So do you see Zerodha at some point uh, heading to other countries and uh, replicating the success that you've had in the Indian markets? Do you see yourself doing that at some point as well? I mean, we'd love to see the biggest market, the mother of them all is America, right? But see, A, compliance-wise, we both are very different. India, the regulators are in fact, you know, a lot more advanced and the ecosystem is way more compliant. We'd love to be in America, but at the current, at this point in time, I think we're all just inundated with so much, like every single one of us. Sure. That we don't really have the bandwidth, and mm. there's no point making a half-hearted attempt at this. You know? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. No point in making a half-hearted attempt. So maybe a simpler extension would it be perhaps that uh, perhaps you could start offering uh, global equity on your platform, so people can start buying yeah. Apple and Facebook and all of that on zero. That that would be awesome. Yeah, we we're planning to do that. I think the Gift City platform, Prime Minister Modi's pet project, Gift City in uh, Gujarat, has has made it a little a little easier and a lot more feasible for us to be able to provide that. We are working with them. Lovely. Hopefully, we can work out something. 
Awesome. And that'll be a game changer, uh, additional addition to your armory and portfolio. So your advice to those, you know, that suffer from FOMO, um, especially when they feel, hey, the market ran up from 7,000 to 14,000 as far as the Nifty goes, or, you know, Bitcoin today, everyone wants to have a conversation on Bitcoin. I'm like, I have no idea around Bitcoin, but they're like, Are you know, Gadi nikal gayi, or the ship has sailed. And, you know, what do we do? And, you know, we missed the bus. What's your advice to those people who have this, you know, fear of, or they suffer from FOMO, let's just say. Well, I think that's uh, all of us, right? Like everybody has missed some bus. True that. Well, the idea is to say, you know, that the bus is eventually just going around in circles. Yeah. Don't run after it, but just wait for it to come back around. And, you know, at some point, if it's a reasonable investment, you will have that opportunity. So if you're patient enough in the market, Gaurav, you know, every five years, every 10 years, there will be something that goes really wrong and you'll have that 20, 30, 40% correction when you can enter the bus again. So never chase it. 100%. And I think a big message for, uh, you know, everyone who, you know, especially the Instagram generation where it's about, you know, like quick and, you know, fast results, patience and, uh, you know, perseverance. And of course, yeah, just have discipline. I think that's something you've stressed on, you know, multiple times today. So, your the platform like Zerodha as, as a platform and Kite as a platform, you know, is doing amazing things for bringing in the retail investor into the markets. I mean, like you mentioned, it was it was prohibitive, you know, till a few years ago. And of course, you've had a great you know success in actually doing that. And my point being this: that do you see retail investors playing a bigger role in India in due course in in actually? moving the markets in a particular direction. I mean, today, if I look at StockEdge, it says, you know, FII figures were this and, you know, DII figures were this. I mean, no one really talks about the retail investor. So do you think there's only a matter of time before even the retail investor starts moving things in a bigger way? I hope that's the case, you know, like at the end of the day, if our country does well, the shareholders to that growth and uh, the partakers in the success, the end point of that, should be the people of our country. You know? It shouldn't be this foreign institution or this big private equity fund, whatever. Right? It should be the people of India who partake in that growth and kind of benefit from having been on that journey. So I hope it happens. The trend seems to be uh, upward looking. I think more people are coming into the equity market on the retail side. Right. And hopefully that continues. Awesome. Yeah, let's hope for that. So sometimes, you know, we are kind of a little more self-reliant, let's just say, but I love that. So you have a you have a great temperament. I mean, I only, you know, came across you, know, you and your profile a few weeks ago. And, you know, I see your, your temperament is very calm, very, you know, very collected. You're good at keeping your cool, student of psychology, childhood chess prodigy. Did you ever consider becoming a championship poker player? Because you have all, all <laughs> the skills that a poker player would actually need to be great at the game. I do play poker with my office colleagues once in a while. No, never. I think I've never considered it. I think mm-hmm. playing at a casino is flawed because the rake is too high. I would never. But playing with people in a closed circuit, I think stock markets are a bigger rush and a bigger pond, you know? I don't think poker, the same amount of time spent on poker versus stock market, probably the markets will yield more. Yeah, I want to get into your head on that one because, yeah, like I said, you have all the characteristics of a, of a great poker player. So I thought, let me just throw that question in there as well. So coming back to the teen version right, of you and, uh, you know, you, you left out school, you dropped out of school and you probably had a lot of friends who wanted to kind of, you know, not who were your friends kind of moved away or, you know, parents of your friends said, nah, yeah, you know, Nikhil ke saath hang out nahi karna and all of that. 
Did that really happen at some point where you were being judged by your choices that you took as a 15-year-old? I'm sure it happened. I don't think I paid much attention to it because I was genuinely busy. But yeah. I'm sure it did. I come from a typical South Indian Brahmin middle-class family where education is everything. Sure. So people probably critiqued my parents more than they did me. Yeah. You know, sometimes things work out in life. God of it normally sure. isn't because of how special you are. Yeah. We've been extremely lucky to have been in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. There are probably, you know, 10,000 smarter people, more intelligent people, hardworking people. Yeah. But it is what it is. So wouldn't recommend the same path, the same journey to anybody. And not even saying that the path and the journey, the outcome that it has reached to now, I wouldn't like to call it outcome because I'm thinking I'm young and there's plenty to do. Sure but sure yeah, there's nothing, there's no right or wrong, but I don't think you should pay too much heed to all of this. You know, it's just luck. You were there, right time, you had a decent product and it worked. Agreed, agreed. No, luck plays such a factor. And, and it's the same that I hear from so many successful people, you know, around not only India, but the whole world. It's, it's luck is playing such an important aspect. And sometimes I almost say like life and poker and even business for that matter. I mean, it's a combination of skill, psychology and luck, right? And they probably have a certain percentage and a certain role to play there. And yeah, luck's probably as high as uh, maybe 40%. I don't know, you know, between skill, psychology and luck. So thank you for sharing on that one and, and the importance of luck. So last few questions. I know you're very, very pressed on time as well. And talk about True Beacon. True Beacon. And True Beacon is, I mean, a fantastic platform. I mean, an asset management company that charges no fee. There are uh, no entry loads, no exit loads. And you make money when the client makes money, right? So two questions, like, first of all, that's wow. And two questions, A, you know, how does one get in? Like, if I want to get in, how does that really happen? And the second yeah. question is, you probably have like a line of people lined up to get in, right? So how's it going at, at True Beacon? Well, True Beacon is doing well. It has been two years, almost two years now. The intention here was when I personally was allocating money to, you know, wealth managers, private banks. Right. I found the environment very inefficient. You pay the private bank 1-2%. Yeah. He recommends you to a fund manager. Then you pay that guy 1% to set up the fund. Then you pay him 2% a year. Then you can't take out your money when you want. Mm. So we decided let's change all of that and make it transparent. By virtue of that, it became maybe, you know, 10 times as cheap as any other fund manager is today. And then we decided let's keep the clientele because we are a category three AIF, we by mandate cater to ultra HNIs across the world. Right. We said we'll go a step further and be really selective about the kind of money we take in. Uh, so anybody who is, you know, in, in a gray area in any sphere of his life, we try and shy away from. Mm -hmm. But because we've been so selective about the clients we have on the platform, I think we are on the verge of creating this super community of influential promoters of corporation, billionaires from across the world. We have about 250 of them now. But I think this, this network in itself right. will become something so powerful wherein, say, you're, for example, say you're a cement maker yeah. on the platform and yeah. there is another real estate company which is based in Singapore. You guys had never thought of doing trade. Right. We will connect and make these connections on the platform. Fantastic. So it's doing incredibly well. Very, very excited for True Beacon. And I think the next two years will be defining for True Beacon in a way. 
I love that. So what you're saying is that it also becomes a networking opportunity to do global business and more, apart from giving them a lot of good returns yeah. on their on their money. Wow. I mean, yeah. wow. Like if that isn't disruptive, <laughs> disruptive then I don't know what is. So well done. Concluding a few questions. Uh, so you guys are completely, you know, founder-owned, bootstrapped. You know, never went down the private equity route. And I kind of, I kind of, I get that. I get that as well because it perhaps takes away, you know, from your culture and your value. But do you see yourself going public at some point so that you know the traders or the investors or the people who use the Zerosa platform actually get a chance to buy and own some of your stock as well? Yeah, I mean, we'd love for users, our clients, uh, to be shareholders in the company. We, we would have zero interest in, you know, like a foreign institution coming, giving us a lot of money and buying a 10% stake. Right. But in return, if our very own users can become shareholders, is exciting because, you know, it, it kind of is a way of paying back the people who have helped us grow in many ways. The regulation around listing in IPOs in India is quite prohibitive. Especially, you know, the amount of accounting fees and book building fees, lead managing fees and all of that. Right. If in the future there is an efficient means of doing this, where we're not, not wasting one year of time, you know, time taken away from building a better product onto that, True we'll that. definitely contemplate. True that. Yeah, well, look forward to that. And I'm sure you'll have uh, everyone running to, you know, pick up equity in the company, uh, at least uh, from that perspective. So... You know, this is a difficult time for the people of India. Uh, COVID's going crazy and, you know, it's unfortunate. People are right now going through a lot of, you know, mental issues, like mental trouble, or physical trouble, financial trouble. So your advice, you know, to the people of India and the people who listen into the podcast and watch the video, who are truly right now feeling smashed, bashed, you know, and, and very not, well, hopeful. What is your advice, you know, to this um, set of people? I mean, that's all of us, right? We're all kind of like cooped in our homes with COVID. And I, I honestly, to be really candid here, I don't know what happens. If I know we're all talking about vaccination and inoculation will have antibodies for six months and so on and so forth. Is it really feasible for a country with as many people as India to inoculate the entire population every six months? Do we have the money to do that? Probably not. The reasonable assumption here would probably be that the virus in itself, at the end of the day, the virus does not gain if it kills the host, right? It has nothing else to do. So I'm guessing the only solution here is the virus organically somehow evolves to be less virulent and becomes a diminished version of itself. But I don't see any other you know, solution for this. But I guess up until then, till our Hospitals are overburned, burdened. We lock down and we stay away until we have resources again. But I guess time is the only healer and we'll have to live in a new modified world. We'll have to make our peace with it. Yeah, time is the only healer. And again, I think one just has to be patient and I guess fight their demons and, and move forward. Concluding question. Where does Nikhil Kamath see himself in, in five years from now? I know you're not big on you know, personal goals and all of that. So where do you see yourself uh, five years down the line? What is going to be Nikhil at that time? Well, healthy, hopefully, to begin with. I, I really like the concept of, you know, travel, and, uh, learning in person from people versus reading about it online. Mm -hmm. So a personal aspiration for me is, to, you know, take six months off or a year off at some point and, you know, go study about history or psychology. Okay. I'm hoping that happens somehow within the next five years and I'm able to, you know, back off from many of the other things I do and take the time. 
Awesome. I so love that. And uh, yeah, even though you didn't have uh, the education school, you're still always a learner. And I think that's a very, very vital point because sometimes people just stop investing in learning. So Nikhil, you know, you're really an amazing person. It's good to finally meet you. Uh, well, even virtually for the time being, hopefully one day we'll get to see each other in person at one of our summits as well. It has been a pleasure having you on this podcast and I hope our listeners, you know, enjoy listening to this one as much as we enjoyed recording it. Thank you. Take care and uh, stay safe, Nikhil. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Gaurav. Thank you for having me.